Welcome to beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, where we are here at Shop Talk, where people in retail are getting together to talk about technology and how they can do things in a more interesting and modern way. We have two amazing thought leaders here with us today to chat about experiential retail, some of the dynamics and changes in the marketplace based on different consumers and how they shop. And they are two very, very special people. One is the former chairman and CEO of Saks Fifth Avenue. He's also uh, done all sorts of things in consumer products and run many different brands. And uh, he is a retail consigliere. His name is Steve Sadoff, a good friend. We're glad to have you here with us today, Steve. Good to be here. Thank you. And then we have the managing director and senior equity research analyst covering retail and luxury goods for Cowan & Company, Oliver Chen. And Oliver, you know, you would think based on, you know, all this Wall Street kind of stuff, you know, that uh, we wouldn't uh, see you wearing a Montclair jacket that you have on today, along with your, you know, uh, Louis Vuitton sneakers um, mixed with some Vera Bradley socks. We just want to kind of give people a picture that this is not your normal Wall Street analyst. Anyway, I'm Matt Rubel, and we're here with Retails from the Frontline, and we are sponsored by MasterCard and want to talk about the store. Is the store the same as it was, or is it changing, Oliver? Radically shifting. The store is no longer a store. It's a community point. It's a customer acquisition vehicle. And what's really important is giving customers the best experience possible. Also, um, something that a customer can't get anywhere else. So a really unique experience um, that's not cookie cutter is the future of the store. Um, the store is also a distribution point, ship from store, buy online pickup in store, curbside pickup from stores. Um, so re rethinking uh, the logistics and how to be customer centric in this new age, as well as giving customers a really fun, exciting, differentiated experience that they can publish online about in social media. My God, that sounds Ooh. like a high bar. So, you know, you're a Wall Street guy. You know, you can read about it and write about it and talk about it. But Steve's an operator and he's run all that. How do you bring all of that to a retail store and actually make money and make customers happy? Well, it's not easy. And that's one of the challenges retailers have today. Uh, but step back for a moment and think about what's happening in stores and People say, are stores dead or is retail dead? And the reality is 85, 90% of shopping is still done in a store. So the, that just reinforces the importance of this discussion in terms of reshaping and reimagining the store experience. And directly to the question that you're asking, Matt, is in order to provide the experiences, the service, the understanding of each individual consumer's needs in the store, it takes investment. And you've got to stay fresh. So if 85% of the transactions are taking place in the store, the consumer wants to go in and have a great experience. And they want it to be looking good and fresh and clean and uh, get the edited assortment that they want. All this is technology-driven, and it costs a lot of money. People used to go to stores because they'd find what they wanted, you know, when they wanted it. And um, and it was convenient. But now, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning, you can wake up the packages at your front door. Every day. Has, has convenience been usurped from the store? And should the store care um, or do they have to do something else? The store 
I, if I'm a retailer, I don't care uh, in the sense of the con- start with the consumer. The consumer wants product anywhere, anytime that they want to be able to get it, and I want to provide it to them. Now, if you're depending upon who the retailer you're talking about, if you're Saks, Neiman's, Nordstrom, you're indifferent whether they, you buy it online or in the store. You just want to serve the customer. If you're a lower-end retailer that is dealing with some of the shipping costs, then you have to think differently about how do I utilize the combination of the online and the pickup in the store. Using the store as an efficient last-mile distribution point. So why is it a Walmart is spending so much money and investment in technology for curbside pickup? Why is it that a, a Macy's is doing buy online pickup in a store? It's because you've got to find a way of making the economics work, understanding that it's always about consumer first. So, Oliver, people are changing and starting to use the store as a distribution point uh, where it used to be come in. Now you don't have to come in. You know, we'll use it as a place to get the goods to you more efficiently. Is that exciting? It is exciting. I think what the theme here is a seamless shopping experience across multiple channels. So in many ways, mobile phones are the new mall and rethinking um, what it means to create demand in this new economy where people are spending so much time on their mobile phones. So being seamless across channels. And what does that mean? Starting your shopping journey on your phone, at home, or in the store, and completing your journey however you want. So the customer comes first, and really thinking about making this frictionless and customer-centric. The other major thesis is the merger of bricks and clicks and physical plus digital, and fulfilling um, the fantasy and the desire and the convenience of all these channels working together. So is the fantasy, you know, you talk about the fantasy of, of shopping or what people are thinking about. Is the fantasy for the older consumer different than this new generation? I mean, are they looking at stores differently? Are they even looking at, you know, brands differently? Well, 80% of people shop at Amazon. So Amazon's really profoundly changed people's perspective. And there's this other idea and important tenet of retail, the need for speed. So everybody wants their goods very quickly and expectations have shifted rapidly. The whole topic of experiential retail is exciting for younger and older customers. Who doesn't like champagne, food, concerts, really unique artisanal experiences in store? And experiential retail is an important, meaningful frontier um, with the future of retail, and that appeals to all generations. I agree with Oliver. Uh, the, the consumer across ages, they're all looking for this omni-channel. They want the experiential. They want unique. They want uh, personalization, differentiated uh, product. If all a brand is doing or if all a retailer is doing is selling the same products that everybody else is selling, whether you're hot, older or younger, it's going to go to the lowest common denominator, which is price. So now what the differentiated experience or product is going to be for a millennial customer may be different than what it is going to be for a baby boomer, but they're still both looking for the same thing, which is unique, personal, different. Stephen and I have talked about this, but how do you build an assortment with good, better, best? How do you build an assortment that holds on to your loyal, older customers at the same time broadens appeal to a new generation of shoppers? It's an interesting um, struggle and also a challenge. Well, it's an enormous yeah, challenge. I've, I've actually seen that happen before, where you can you, you can kind of move one to the back table, and it's the one that you know yep. constantly people will will go toward. But then you got to kind of bring the new excitement, you know, forward. But we've seen a lot of brands go through different things. Take you know, uh, Oliver, you and I were chatting about you know 
brands having to think differently today. You know, you have these great, um, we're trying to be more social in our experiences, but but also in doing so, we're in the hashtag, you know, uh, era of all sorts of hashtags. Who knows which one we're talking about today? But, you know, we were talking about, you know, different uh, ways of looking at uh, the female body. And some of the, you know, um, brands were, were based on just, you know, raw, you know, sexual, sensual experience, a Victoria's Secret. The, those brands are, you know, having challenges changing and speaking to the new consumer to engage them. How, how should how should brands think about, you know, the different ways in which, you know, women are thinking about their bodies today? Yeah, we're excited about brands like Glossier and Third Love because what's happening is really authenticity and rethinking um, what it means to be inclusive. And it's very important in this age to be body positive and authentic and um, giving consumers a, a real perspective on their bodies, their sensibilities, and also co-creating and engaging the new consumer in a way um, that's not fake and that's um, a conversation. So the future of brands is also community and conversation and authenticity, and that's what we're seeing in terms of some very successful new brands emerge, too. And that, I think that's why you're seeing this shift going on where the Victoria's Secret announces they're closing a lot of stores. You've got the, uh, the, Gap. the Gap closing stores. You've got the bankruptcies of the Toys R Us. So you've got maybe last year you had 8,000 stores closing, but you had 6,000 stores opening because it's these authentic new brands and the emergence of this uh, whole different way of uh, approaching the consumer where there's growth. And the aggregate of it is that retail's growing. And that's where it, 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 you say it this morning, uh, CNBC ran an article uh, or a headline, The Ice Age of Retail. And the reality is that, yeah, if you're talking about these unauthentic brands that uh, Oliver's talking about, they, are, they haven't transformed themselves. But you have to be very careful in doing it because you can't throw out the uh, your core customer as you try to go to the new, and it's very difficult for some of these brands to change. Well, and it, it used to be that, you know, hey, we'd make one great item, sell a lot of it, you know, to a lot of people, and it'd be kind of protected in the stores. But now because of the ubiquity of the uh, the, the mobile and Internet and digital experience, everything is seen everywhere. So you have to kind of, to the point that the two of you are making, kind of make the experience different and unique. And so supply chains have to change and creativity has to be faster and and quicker. Because of this uh, supply chain changes and the demand for unique personalization, you have a lot more niche brands. And I see it in the consumer goods world as well as in the retail world. It used to be share of shelf equal share of market. The big brands, the tides of the world, controlled the uh, grocery store shelves. Now what's happening is these internet-driven brands that have an endless aisle are starting to come in because they're offering some kind of a unique, personal, differentiated, it's a story behind it. And I'm seeing it in retail too. It's the uniquely herded goats in Mongolia that gives you this great cashmere and has a story behind it. Well, that's probably a 50 to $100 million business. And as opposed to the single mega brand, single very small number of SKUs. Well, it's it's getting your story out and storytelling. So retail's always been made around storytelling and and some of the great retail ideas that are inspirational, not just aspirational, um, have come about in recent years because they can tell their stories more clearly. Do, do you see any changes in the way in which 
uh, brands are marketing themselves and bringing yeah. themselves to the consumer and engaging with that consumer. Certainly. The whole demand creation model that Stephen's speaking to has been radically shifted and such that um, new brands can emerge that really appeal to interesting differentiated specific segments. So there's um, the revolution happening in social media. So really how you get customers is very different. And also the new generation of shoppers is very open-minded to new brands as well. And the, the newest brands really carry values um, and also think about community and larger purpose as well. Um, if you think about the contrast between, you know, a Harry shaving versus a Gillette, um, Casper and, how they appeal is very different. I think the tenets of the new generation include a few key factors. Creativity, a highly engaged generation of shoppers that like co-creating and create their own personalities online. Um, new shoppers are very ambitious as well, thinking about multitasking in time. And internationalism is another characteristic that we're seeing in terms of um, a lot of the population being a foodie and artisanal and thinking about being distinctive. So all these characteristics, in addition to technology and mobile and social media, are really transforming um, the nature of brands and how brands can get launched and you know, a, a real difference versus physical slotting fees at heritage uh, retailers. Um, so the Ice Age prevent, presents opportunity. No question. And I, I'd add one more, which is, especially among the younger consumer, the role that social responsibility is playing and give back uh, to the community. So, Oh, I've heard one, that, though, for years, Steve. Nah, and and wait, no, I've heard about it for years. And will they pay more for that? So because it still does cost a little bit more in the supply chain to actually make the goods that are uh, all socially responsible? Or do you have no, they to won't get the pay price more. No, close? they won't pay. It has to be very close. They well, won't pay more. But that... But it can be yeah. a core positioning element. So Tom's uh, shoes, buy one, give one. Bombas socks, buy one, give one. They may still cost the same to buy, but to a consumer, that's a relevant proposition. So how do I look is um, a part of it, but it's really how do I feel? And am I inspired not just by the aesthetic, but by the whole idea of what the brand stands for? And so you are seeing more of that, but, and, and but, I'm it's, seeing it but it's emerging. It's it not, is emerging, it's but not it's also yet. emerging from a shareholder perspective. So I see a lot of funds that, you know, when I go and represent companies and talk to shareholders, uh, I'm here for social responsibility. It never was on the agenda in conversation. So they'll take a lower return in order to No, to but do they something. may own one stock versus another stock. They may not take a lower return. Yeah, and that's happening may. in the boardroom, too, and thinking about le executive leadership and women and diversity, because Gen Z is one of the most ethnically diverse populations. The interface with technology enables you to add transparency, too, because keep in mind, consumers can do more research, and they are doing more research than ever before. So transparency as a theme, um, in addition to what Stephen said, is, is a key factor as well. But social responsibility and thinking about stakeholders and the globe and the environment, as well as um, your leadership at a company and being uh, carbon neutral. But it also ties to because you've got a war for talent going on. And because we have low unemployment and this younger consumer is much more mobile in terms of changing jobs, the fact that the social responsibility and the give back to the uh, environment is helping you on the job front more than anything as well, too. Yeah, a purposeful experience at the company that's holistic and mindful. So we're, we're in a time where speed is really and dynamics and the ability to change and bring things forward in a 
fast, rapid way, but a democratized way so that, you know, people can grasp it and, and be a part of something broader is really there. So will, will the old, you know, kind of businesses that are, that are stuck in brick and mortar and have all of their, you know, assets, you know, kind of laid behind them, will they be able to make it? I mean, Steve, you talked about 8,000 stores going away, 6,000 new ones from the new companies. Are the old ones going to be able to get there? I worry about it in terms, every retailer is going to tell you I'm changing quickly. I worry that some of the legacy ones don't understand the pace of change and they think that they're changing quickly and the consumer's changing a lot faster than they are. Yeah, there's a, a lot that needs to change, and it's very supply chain driven in terms of having a direct connection to your factory or owning your factory or really thinking about more vertical integration to enable speed. But in addition to the physical, it's a cultural change and rethinking the merchant. And what's really happening is the data scientist is, is elevating to the level of the merchant, and this is a partnership that should happen and utilization of, of data and interactions through non-tender loyalty programs. But we call them data scientists. At the end of the day, aren't they just people who get uh, closer to their customer? So they're really consumer insights, people who use data. I mean, I you know, so. everybody's gone into this data, you know, this and that. And at the end of the day, great merchants always knew their customers really well. And data scientists are really, in today's world, just people who actually – know how to use the tools to get to know their customer even more intimately. Isn't that really what it is? Yeah, Matt, I think the epic struggle here is is balancing the art and science. And I love the art and I love the science, and science can enable the art. So thinking about um, dashboards that help you live a better life, thinking about customer relationship management programs that are enabled by data that help you connect. So it's human, it's man with machine, in terms of you know having tools that help you be a better leader in different disciplines. We talked about what I'd call more traditional retail, i.e. we design goods, we make goods, we put them on the shelf, somebody buys them, or we put them online, somebody buys them. But, but there's also an emerging shared economy that's coming up that's really quite fascinating and interesting. You know, I was looking at jewelry with my wife the other day. She wanted to resell it you know, on, on the real real. And, and I thought, why would, why would I even buy you know, something when for 25% the price, I can get the same item. And then I'm looking at this amazing Montclair jacket. Where did you get this, Oliver? I bought it on the Real Real, and I, I look at the Real Real like every day. And I sell on the Real Real, and I buy from the Real Real. So it's exciting in terms of what's happening with the sharing economy and rethinking retail in terms of an on demand experience, as well as upcycling, recycling, and rethinking the whole ecosystem. Yeah, and I don't think a, a consumer fits into one or the other box. So Oliver will do a real reel. He may actually participate in Rent the Runway, and there are certain items he'll say, I want to own. And this combination of consumers moving back and forth across use cases just as they are across channels. So technology is really just the enabler of new ways of engaging with the shopping experience, with the entertainment experience, the social aspect of that, convenience, value, values, not just value, and all of the storytelling that comes along with that. Is that I think so, but we're also seeing an interesting consumer shift and um, rethinking materialism and this idea that less is more and um, being very highly curated about what you buy. I mean, it does come back to value and maximizing your dollar, um, but people aren't necessarily interested in just collecting stuff. 
Yeah, build so, off of that. I mean, the consumer, look at the MasterCard spending pulse data. It's fascinating in terms of what consumers are doing. They want experiences. Restaurants, travel, hotels, airlines. If you look over the last year or so, those are where a lot of growth is uh, going. Now, you're seeing some late, recently good performance out of apparel and home improvement, but the consumer is... Uh, they're curating, they and they want more experiences, and that's very much the future, and that's across age groups. Well, and that's what yeah, like a Nike is doing. Yeah, I mean, Nike is out there creating all sorts of new ways to shop. Like, let's all go meet, you know, in Washington Square Park and find the new launch shoe, you know, with your phone and chase it down and and finally get it, and then you'll see that energy, you know, really coming to bear. Yeah, I think re- rediscovering what it means to have discovery and to surprise and delight in this new age has a lot to do with these rare items and it's fun so thinking about supreme thinking about kit thinking about streetwear thinking about the aftermarket value and trading with your friends is a a new and fresh um, important trend and it's it's enjoyable and, and it's experiential too well, we we have had an amazing conversation here tonight with two very fascinating uh, leaders in the retail and brand world, uh, Steve Sadoff, the former chairman CEO of Saks, and a retail leader, former head of the National Retail Federation as well, along with Oliver Chen, the managing director um, of Cowan & Company, and uh, probably my favorite fashionista um, in the financial world as well. But the thing that you walk away with um, from our conversation conversation at Retails from the Frontline is really that the speed, the diversity that technology is unlocking is enabling greater creativity in retail than ever before, but it's a changing environment, and we must, in order to bring the customer all the things that they like in value, convenience, excitement, engagement, we must do it uh, in a way that really um, brings to life those stories and those ideas. And that's our story for today. Um, We're in Las Vegas, Nevada, where it's beautiful and sunny at Shop Talk. And we want to thank our host, MasterCard, who has done an amazing job in um, sponsoring our Retails from the Frontline. I'm Matt Rubel, and this is Retails from the Frontline.